Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride on The Voice of Reason. Really excited to have this guy back on as we get our uh, monthly update from Washington, D.C. Excited to have on the program from the 5th Congressional District in the great state of Ohio. It's Congressman Bob Latta on the line with us today. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Andy, great. How are you today? Yeah, always doing good. Great to chat with you. A lot of things going on, obviously, in D.C. With policy-wise, which I want to get to in a second because that's kind of what we should be focusing on is, you know, policy and working on legislation in D.C., but that's not what always takes over the headlines in the news uh, because they always have their own agenda, which is, of course, Donald Trump's going to go to jail for uh, his investigation, and Hunter Biden is going to get off scot-free with a slap on the wrist and uh, just remove any gun charges, remove any drug charges, and then just make sure that he pays a little bit of tax revenue that he forgot to file with the IRS. That Congressman, I'm pretty sure looking at the headlines on the news every day, that if anybody ends up having a gun illegally while on drugs, or if they fail to pay taxes on a $1.5 million or more, they're usually in jail. But it looks like our justice system's uh, a little bit crooked right now. What do you think? Well, you know, when you uh, if you buy a firearm from a dealer and you're filling out that federal form, you have to, you know it's got like 15 different questions they ask you, and one is about uh, drug use. And so, you know, it's right on there about it's a felony. And then on the tax side, when you look at the the amount, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, a very small amount, but a huge amount of money that was owed to the IRS. And a lot of people would say, huh, why, now why is he just getting this, uh, these misdemeanor charges and everybody else could be charged with a, with a greater uh, penalty? Yeah. So even though that, and I did read that one of the uh, prosecutors said, you know, the case is going to be still ongoing, but we're, we're, you know, we'll really find out if that's true or not, as if they're going to continue on with anything else, because there's a lot there. I know in the House of Representatives and, and uh, Jamie Comer from Kentucky with the Oversight Committee that they're going to still continue on. So it might be over in some cases uh, for Hunter Biden uh, with the IRS or with the ATF. But uh, there's still going to be ongoing investigations to bring out more facts that uh, surround this case and surround Hunter Biden with yeah. all of his dealings with China and every place else. Well, that's the, that, that was the point that we wanted to get to is, I mean, these are interesting charges and they're not enough. And like we said, if anybody else had unpaid IRS uh, tax money coming in from one and a half million dollars of revenue that they didn't pay on or illegally possessed a firearm with drug charges, which is like, I don't know, 20 to 40 percent of those that are incarcerated in prison right now across the nation because of charges like that. What else is there that they're not charging because the House is doing the investigation on the Hunter Biden laptop and the dealings with China and Russia and the Ukraine and everywhere else. Uh, so we could potentially see more, but man, it's fascinating on how loosey goosey that they've gone after him for just the small charges so far. Well, you know, just on the, uh, the, the firearm charge, if my memory serves me correct, it's almost like a 10 year penalty. If you swear, if you falsify any one of those points. Yeah. So there's, you know, right off the bat, I mean, it's zero for him. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, this is kind of an interesting uh, situation that is because of who he is and who his dad is, that this is what's happened. 
It's unfortunate. It is really unfortunate that we have to go through this and see the judicial system act the way that they are right now. Let's talk about some policy and talk about actual legislation you guys are working on right now. You introduced uh, just a few days ago with uh, some other leaders in D.C. on the Halt Fentanyl Act. Obviously, with the ending of Title 42, the migration that we're seeing just flood across the border uh, right now. This is a major issue that's going to continue to get worse. Here in Kansas, we saw another major uh, massive bust of fentanyl across our state uh where are we right now and what are we working on to try and limit this flood of this crazy drug well first uh, fentanyl is probably the most dangerous drug that's out there today and this is a chemical drug it's coming in you know the drugs are the chemicals are coming into mexico from china uh then the cartels are making this stuff up they're pressing it into pills you know and other types of forms and then they're shipping it uh, to the to the to the United States. You know, the Democrats will say, "Oh, look, we've interdicted uh, so many uh, tons of fentanyl at the border in the last year." But the problem is, since the Border Patrol can't do their job of of enforcing the border and pretty much have to just round up people illegally crossing the border that this administration is letting in, that uh, we're seeing a a massive amount of fentanyl coming to this country. Just to give you an idea of how much they interdicted, was about 15,000 pounds. That's enough to kill every American about seven times over. Mm. So uh, only a few flakes of fentanyl, about two milligrams, will kill you. And unfortunately right now we see that fentanyl is the number one killer of Americans out there between the ages 18 to 49. It's over 73,000 Americans died from fentanyl poisoning in the last year. We had 109,000 people die from overdoses, but in this case, just 73,000 of those are fentanyl-related. And uh, we had the Drug Enforcement Agency testifying before us and talking about the legislation that Morgan Griffith and I have. And what we, what we, we heard from them was, look, it cost the cartels 10 cents to make one of these pills down in Mexico. They're selling them up here for 30 or $40. Sometimes it's either on the street corner or they're selling on the Internet, and people think they're buying another drug and it ends up being something with fentanyl in it. And uh, so, we're, you know, the cartels are killing Americans for $0.10. Cents. Yeah. Right now, fentanyl is, 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 supposed, should be a, a Schedule One drug, and it's only on a temporary basis. And so what our legislation does is it's for fentanyl-related substances, meaning that if they change the formula just a little bit, as long as it's got that fentanyl in it, you're still going to be at a Schedule 1. And uh, right now, it's, I can't understand it why our, our, the Democrats don't want to make this permanently a Schedule 1 drug. The law enforcement and our prosecutors can go out after these people. But uh, this is the most deadly thing out there because, again, if you want to put it in you know, perspective a little bit, you know, when you think about the over 56,000 Americans were killed in Vietnam, we're killing 73,000 Americans in one year with fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah, it's a terrible drug. And the fact, like you said, the fact that it takes so little of it to harm you that's laced with something, whether you're trying to do another illicit drug that you shouldn't be, that, that it's laced with, or even just prescription drugs that you think are legitimate and you end up taking it could kill you that easily, uh, which brings up the other question is how do we regulate 
some of the drugs that are on the streets. And is that in conversation, do you think, for uh, even, let's say, marijuana, for example, where they're starting to lace it with marijuana? Is that an argument to start legalizing marijuana at uh, the federal and state level and remove it as a class one so we can regulate it and know where we're actually sourcing marijuana instead of getting it from a cartel individual that has it laced with fentanyl? Well, you know, first, I've, I've always been opposed to any type of legalization of marijuana because what we're seeing then is is that marijuana that's out there today is, is a much stronger drug than it was years ago. And so one of the problems is is that it's, it is truly a gateway drug. And so I, I don't want to see Americans getting hooked on marijuana and then saying I've got to have a higher dose of something else and then move on to another, you know, another like heroin or cocaine or something that's, as you say, it's laced with fentanyl. And it's important that we get the, uh, uh, the, the fentanyl off the streets because, again, as we watch more and more people dying. And the other point about this is, you know, how much, if we want to make something a putting people away for a long period of time for selling fentanyl, well, it's pretty easy. We're talking about like 100 grams. You get it into a Schedule 1. To break that down, that's, that's enough to kill 50,000 people. And I can't understand on the other side of the aisle while they're saying that they, they don't want to make it a Schedule 1, but this one, just one person with 100 grams of this stuff can kill 50,000 people. Hmm. And to me, that that deserves being a Schedule One, and we just don't want to be uh, out there promoting other drugs for people to get on. Because again, what we want to do is get them off. Right. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, at the same time, I know a lot of states are also starting to now legalize like Narcan for consumers to be able to have on to just in case there is an overdose. Law enforcement starting to carry Narcan as well as a way to kind of right. counter the fentanyl stuff as well. Is that something that we could look at at a federal level to allow law enforcement across the nation to carry drugs like Narcan to easily try and help individuals if they are overdosing on fentanyl? Well, right now, when you look across the country, about every uh, police cruiser that's out there will have have Narcan with them. But what the what the Biden administration has done is saying, look, you can go to the drugstore now and just buy fentanyl uh, over the counter. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Narcan over the counter. But the the problem with that is you're you're treating the result. You're not treating what we should be at the very front of it. And uh, you know we want to make sure we save people. But in some cases, somebody might say. Okay, I've got one, one, enough, one spray of Narcan to try to revive someone. There are cases out there, it might take six or eight doses yeah. of Narcan to bring somebody back to life. And so, you know, you can give a false hope to people out there. At some of these, you know, sometimes if they have, they have parties. And that's if one person's supposed to stay sober enough that so somebody goes down, they're supposed to administer, administer the drug of Narcan. And it's mm. like, folks, what happens if you only got one dose? You know, I've, I've seen in, in total situations, six to eight doses taken, every dose from every police cruiser that came to a scene to bring somebody back to life. Wow. Just a scary thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a way to maybe help a little bit, but it doesn't address the real issue, which is they're yep. taking something that has fentanyl in it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> get to the source. And once again, it's the, it's the drugs coming in from China by way of Mexico through the cartel. And they're making billions of dollars killing Americans. 
How scary about that. We're talking with Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th District of the state of Ohio. Speaking of the cartels and the immigration issues going on with some of the drugs that are coming across, I don't know uh, if this is legit. We've we've seen a news story that the Biden administration and the FDA and the USDA and everybody is looking to try and start working on banning cigarettes and the production of cigarettes and tobacco because of how evil those are that would potentially empower the cartels to bring another product across the border as well with cigarettes. Is that true? And if so, are we empowering another uh, underground market if we try to ban cigarettes because of how, quote-unquote, unhealthy they are? Yeah, on that one, I have not I have not read that. But again, uh, at the, <laughs> when they're encouraging smoking marijuana and saying you shouldn't smoke cigarettes, I think they've got a problem with their, what they're telling the American people. Uh, so I think that I have not, but I have not seen that uh, on on tobacco uses what what they're what they're saying. But of course, you'd open up an underground market it's right off the bat. You're going to have it uh, come in from someplace, and so uh, it would happen. But. Uh, that one I have not uh, seen yeah. uh, from FDA or the administration. Well, hopefully that's uh, hopefully that's not true then, and we can uh, l- leave a little bit of sanity in there. I do want to shift gears real quickly with the last couple minutes that we have. Uh, obviously, you, you're you on a lot of the committees uh, for technology and communication and for our safety and security here in the nation with our, with our grids. Uh, there's been uh, rumors and concerns about potential EMP attacks and different uh, hacking into technology and our infrastructure and utilities. Are we seeing a heightened increase in threats of an attack on those types of vulnerabilities in the nation? And are we able to secure those a little bit more than what we've seen? Well, uh, for your listeners out there with an EMP, that's an electromagnetic pulse that could occur. It could be either man-made or or through nature. And, you know, unfortunately, we saw through the Colonial Pipeline attack, that was a cyber attack on that pipeline. From the uh, from the south, running up along the eastern shore, and uh, you know we we're vulnerable. So you know if you have an you know if somebody comes up with an EMP to try to take down our grid, uh, you know we worked on a. I was working uh, with uh, AM radio recently in our committee. We had a hearing uh, because some of the uh, car companies because they say it's, it's, uh, for, because of interference with their EVs. Uh, with the EV uh, having that in the a, with an AM radio, they don't want it. And they, they, but uh, other car companies say you can keep it because let's just say you take down the internet uh, and because that'd be the first thing you want to do is the way that people get their information. Yeah. That uh, we'd have to have a, a backup. An AM radio out there is something that we have to have, and we have about 75 hardened radio stations around the country that reach 92 percent of the American population. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a concern, and uh, it's something that in this day and age, because you have the Russians, the Communist Chinese, the North Koreans, the Iranians, are probing constantly with millions of attacks a day on, the, uh, on what they're doing out there, that we have to be prepared for anything and everything. But EMPs has been something I've been, I've been talking about for well over a decade. Wow. It is a scary thought. Uh, I know that they have made threats, like you said, Russia, China, those guys have made threats about using something like that, especially after the balloon that floated over just a few months ago from China, looking at kind of our infrastructure, our military layout and how things are. Uh, It seems like that there's a constant heightened concern that something like that could happen. If we did get hit from something like that somewhere in the country, is our infrastructure capable of recovering or being able to be protected and preserving, continuing to, to go? Or would we we go out 
Well, and again, when you think about the uh, the attack on the substation in North Carolina, or the two on the West Coast, again, when you think about those attacks, that it's, uh, you know, somebody just shot up uh, the transformers and also the radiators at a massive substation in North, North Carolina where I was uh, on Friday with our committee for a field hearing, that, uh, you know, if you have a coordinated attack with not just one at one time, but a whole bunch of attacks all over, you could do serious damage to the grid. And, uh, how you know, our problem is we don't have backup uh, equipment like transformers to be able to move around to get into these places. So all of a sudden you, we'd be in a world of hurt because of that. Yeah. And that's why I said that uh, when we're looking at AM radio and why it's so important to keep it out there, that uh, we want to make sure that if there is something that takes down the, the grid, there's something that takes down the Internet, that the American people can at least get information through the emergency broadcast. But again, this is what we're, as I mentioned about the, the hearings, is that uh, with these EVs, they're saying that they'd have to do something to make sure that uh, the, the radio would work in the car. Yeah. But uh, other companies don't seem to have a problem. But no, I think that we have to, you know, is the best question to ask yourself, is the world safer today or not? And, uh, or not. And I'm going with it's not as safe. And it's getting um, in a situation where we're in a precarious state that we have to make sure that uh, we do everything to make sure that we protect ourselves in this country. Amen to that. Yeah. Last question for you, Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th District of Ohio. I know you have to run soon, and I appreciate your time. But as you mentioned this AM radio stuff, what was the motive? What was the argument behind their side uh, from the auto industry to remove AM radios out of vehicles? Was it because there was an interference with the new technology in the cars, or was it strictly, do you think, political of, well, there's a bunch of crazy right-wing radical talk radio hosts on AM radio, so that's just another way to remove that content and censorship by just saying, well, we're just going to update the system and not include AM radios. Like, what what was the purpose behind that argument? Well, you know, we haven't really gotten all of the information. You know, we requested, uh, uh, we sent letters to multiple companies and got them back. And I think that overall it was just a, 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 in a lot of cases, it's an economic thing. They thought we don't have to have, a, have that in a car. And uh, it's like, but they weren't telling people. I had one of the largest uh, dealer in my district, didn't even know that they, they didn't have it in their car. And that means <laughs> that's how quick they got this, you know, they, they kind of split it through. Wow. But, I, but you know, Ford Motor, uh, within a couple of days after we sent the letter, they, I was really happy with Ford that they said, no, we'll keep AM in the car. Uh, because it, it doesn't make sense when some companies say that, yeah, there's no problem having it in their vehicles, their electric vehicles, and other than saying, oh, we got a problem. But at the same time, uh, that you get some of the companies saying they're going to take it out of not only their uh, electric cars, but they're all going to take it out of their combustion cars. And, wow. You know, and the AM's been working great in the combustion cars for a long time. Exactly. Yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. It makes, your, it makes you scratch your head just a little bit, and uh, I, I guess they could save some money by not having to put in another transmitter in the vehicle for an AM signal, but at the same time, like you said, it's been going on for a long time and hasn't been a whole lot of an issue, so it's just a kind I, of... I yeah, just a weird topic for them to try and bring up. So it's weird stuff, but you guys continue to rock it in Washington, D.C. It's Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th Congressional District of the great state of Ohio. Congressman, thank you for what you keep doing. Keep up the fight, my friend. Let's get you back on again here real soon. Really appreciate it and have a wonderful day.